All right. Welcome, listeners, to our podcast, The Reverie. I'm your host, Vincent Sapitan. And once again, we have our our main guest, Elisir Silla. Elisir, how are you today? Hello, everyone. Um, hi, Vincent. I'm good. How about you? I'm doing very well. I'm excited. Kind of been missing a couple podcasts or a couple weeks of not podcasting, but I'm actually really excited to to get this going because I've been a bit antsy, but I I'm ready. I'm ready to tackle this this subject that we have today, and it's something that's close to close and dear to your heart. It is the South China Sea. Yeah, it's a very interesting topic nowadays. Um, it hasn't been getting a lot of news lately, but um, it's still, um, I guess you can say, lurking in the background. Yeah, so part of the reason why I wanted to bring this up on the podcast is because, one, the South China Sea dispute or current news affects us. We are, Elisir and I are both Filipinos, so I thought it would be an interesting topic. And also for any of our new listeners or current listeners that have that kind of heritage, I hope that they would be well versed in the current news. And I know many other um, countries are involved in this. So hopefully new newer listeners would enjoy this, um, this topic. And so the South China Sea, what is currently happening in that region? Elser. Yeah, so I mean, I guess we could start off with the basics. Um, if you, if our audience is not aware of, I guess what the region looks like. Basically, the South China Sea is um, west of the Philippines, uh, south of China, hence the name. Um, east of Vietnam and north of Indonesia and those islands, Malaysia. Um, so basically, what's happening there? It's um, you could think of it simply as a as a game of chess, right? In chess. If, you, if you've ever played it before, it requires a lot of strategy. And similar to uh, this part of the world, uh, there's a lot of strategy going on, a lot of competition going on. Um, basically, what's happening is that China, ever since uh, maybe the beginning of this decade or even earlier, uh, they wanted to start expanding their influence. And one of the main routes of that would be by uh, um, controlling more areas in the South China Sea. And so there's a lot of, uh, out of, out of that competition from China, there's a lot of pushback from the U.S. ever since, um, you could say, from the Obama administration up to President Trump. Um, and so, yeah, basically, like what I said, you could think of it as kind of like a game of geopolitical chess. Where there's a lot of strategy involved. Uh, the South China Sea is very valuable because there's a lot of uh, natural resources in the area. And so you can imagine that a lot of countries are vying for um, the fish, uh, the uh, other natural resources in the area. And it's also a gateway of international transport. Um, a lot of trade passes through that area. So it's a very important strategic uh, thoroughfare for ships. So it's a very uh, in- important waterway for a lot of countries involved. Yeah, I noticed, I think the three major major interests there in terms of natural resources is fish, oil and major trade route. So if you control that territory, you control a lot of economic value. And so 
just looking, I have a couple notes here on the history. It seems like it seems like China China claimed that territory um, after World War II, but no one really cared about it until recently. Correct? Yes, uh, I believe that's the case. Um, yeah, it's not only the South China Sea, uh, Vincent, but it's also uh, various other uh, disputes. Uh, China's been trying to, um, as I said earlier, China is a growing power. So they want to try to, in a sense, uh, try to grab as much land as possible in a strate- strategic way, of course. So they don't want to, um, I guess, inside a war with the U.S. in some fashion. But um, they want to, you know, obviously, th- it goes without saying that more land for your country equals more prestige and more power. And not just more land, but control- controlling certain seas. Uh, gives you more power. And so I think China's been doing that for a while, uh, ever since um, the modern modern day state of China has been has been born. Um, they've always wanted to uh, grow their size and influence. So I think the South China Sea is just one part of that equation. So can you tell us a little bit of the America's interest in this territory? Yeah, so I think... Um, America definitely has an interest in pushing back China. I think that's the main reason why we have an interest there. Um, I think Obama, President Obama did a, a good job in terms of trying to pivot to China. That was his policy in trying to counterbalance China. Um, it wasn't that successful because um, obviously during Obama's presidency, ISIS came into fruition. And so we had to pay attention to the Middle East as well. But I think I do give a, uh, uh, President Obama credit in that he noticed the rise of China, as it's called. And so obviously he wanted to um, push back against China and the South China Sea was one of those hot, sp- hot spots. Um, I think in terms of America's interests, um, obviously a lot of our allies are in the neighborhood. Um, in the Philippines, um, obviously, as you said earlier, we are of Filipino heritage. So I guess it kind of brings it home to us in a sense. Um, but also Vietnam. Vietnam's a close ally. Um, Japan is also a close ally, even though it's not close to the South China Sea. They also have their own territorial disputes with China. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Singapore and Malaysia and all of those other countries. And obviously, um, it goes also without saying that friends uh, need to depend on friends for support. So in a sense, you could think of these countries as U.S. allies and they want to push back against China as well. Um, obviously, it kind of comes down to ideological differences. If you want to go really deep into the weeds, uh, China is a is a communist country. Uh, we are a capitalist country, and we are we uphold freedom and democracy, and they uphold totalitarianism. And so, our ideolo- ideologies cra- clash. And so, obviously, as a way to counter that, um, I think it's wise for the U.S. to counter China. Um, in terms of its uh, malign influence and also as a way to support our friends in the neighborhood, which obviously include the Philippines and all of those other countries in the region. Yeah, this is a very sensitive topic um, in terms of just that, that conflict of interest. Um, What has China done um, in that area particular? I, I think particularly to the islands, yeah, it's a really interesting, uh, Vincent. Um, is, if anyone has been paying attention to the news 
uh, in the past maybe a couple of years. Uh, I, I definitely remembered it. Remembered in 2014, China started uh, actually literally uh, creating islands out of nowhere in the South China Sea. Um, and so why would they do that? They would um, do that, obviously, to create more land for themselves. But it's also a way to claim the natural resources around that area, right? As I mentioned, the South China Sea has a lot of resources, natural resources. And a way to claim that is to build islands so that the surrounding area around those islands could be claimed by you. So literally, South China has been creating these islands out of nowhere, a dredging uh, material to create land. And they've also been creating airstrips on these islands so that the military can do uh, a jet exercises and the like. So obviously, um, it's not just a show of wanting to get natural resources, but it's, it's also a way to project military power. And so that's um, li like what you said, uh, China is uh, building these islands out of nowhere. And they are, do they are doing it in a way that um, kind of uh, intrudes on other countries' sovereignty and also is concerning to the U.S. Um, so I guess how do, how do the, other, the other nations see this, such as Malaysia, Philippines? Do they see this? Since it's a military uh, motion, a movement, I mean, they're building airstrips, they're building... Um, islands, man-made islands, for, for for what it seems like military uh, purposes. How do you feel that Malaysia or Philippines, or if Malaysia, Philippines, how they responded to that? Well, um, they are our allies, um, but there is some nuance to it. Um, so um, the Philippines, um, it's interesting because uh, since the election of uh, President Duterte, uh, Duterte has been very sympathetic toward China. Um, Duterte mm -hmm. has been friendly toward Trump, but uh, Duterte has also wanted to, he, he has publicly expressed his willingness to work with China. So in a sense, sometimes he has kind of brushed it, brushed it off the side. Um, he kind of uh, hasn't really made the issue of China uh, making islands in the top, South China Sea like something to um, be bothered by. Um, in terms of other countries, um, they obviously see that provoking China is is an, probably not the best thing to do because a lot of countries trade with China. Um, I think that's a that's kind of like a obvious fact. Um, China um, has a lot of the supply chains. Uh, a lot of the goods are exported from China to the rest of the world. And so, if that if uh, other countries in the region provoke China, there might be consequences because China has a lot of leverage. Um, so. There's a lot of uh, disputes, but I think a lot of countries are trying to not provoke China in a way as to get big, re big retaliate, retaliation from them. So you, you see these countries trying to walk a fine line. Um, um, but they definitely, they definitely see their interests being um, invaded by China, uh, especially Vietnam. There have been some um, in incidents this er earlier this year with respect to Vietnamese fishing boats um, and them clashing with some Chinese boats. Uh, I'm not sure about those details specifically because they happened a while back, but you, definitely our audience could look them up. So definitely uh, the countries in the region, they want to, uh, they don't want to, um, I guess, provoke China in such a negative way. Uh, they definitely want U.S. support, which we have uh, provided support for them in a sense, but they don't, they also want to engage with China and not, poke the bear as one would say hmm. um 
has do you know of any um any compromises or truces that have been made or attempted i guess no no so this is a very interesting time we're living in i guess you could think of it as like a movie right the south china sea movie quote-unquote is something that's ongoing there's there has been no ending so far um you could definitely see this uh uh, percolating into um the next four years of trump if he wins the re-election or the four years of a biden administration um but definitely um there hasn't been any like resolution to resolve any of the issues here um as i've said in the beginning china is a growing power Uh, they want to try to seize control of as many uh, territorial uh, disputes that they can uh, grab a handle on so there hasn't been any like compromises obviously there's quote-unquote de-escalation tactics Um, a lot of people on both sides say well we don't want we don't want things to get out of control Uh, that's kind of like the uh the cliche statement that you would get from the the state department or from the um or from the foreign ministry in china uh but -hmm. other than that there hasn't been any uh major compromises it's still uh tensions are still uh boiling and uh you could definitely see this in the news in the next four years so is this is this similar to a cold war scenario except this time in asia i think uh, it is probably um you could probably think of it as uh as a subset of a modern day cold war um i don't want to um I guess use the term cold war in that sense. Um, obviously during the cold war, um, there has, there were a lot of conflicts that turned hot, right? Obviously in uh-huh. Vietnam, yeah. Vietnam that turned hot, uh, the South China sea, nothing has happened so far. So in that sense, it is cold. Um, but obviously in the broad picture of things, right. Um, there's an ideological conflict between the U S and China. And so that mirrors like what you said, the cold war. Um, so I guess in one sense, you can kind of think of it as uh, an area of a modern day cold war between us and China. But in, even in that sense, I wouldn't uh, necessarily call it a cold war. Um, obviously time will tell if uh, it grows something bigger, but definitely um, I, I definitely see the comparisons there. Um, the South China Sea is not a hot conflict. Hopefully it doesn't, uh, but it definitely has tensions uh, uh, boiling underneath. Mm. So I guess could just I, what are your personal predictions of what might happen in that area? I guess even depending on who would win the election, this com- this upcoming election. Yeah, uh, so that's a very interesting uh, question. Um, I think, um, I guess based off of uh, American consensus, um, I think China is pretty bipartisan issue, meaning that a lot of uh, Americans on both sides of the aisle actually want uh, the U.S. administration, whether it's President Trump or President Biden, uh, they want the White House to um, execute a full-on policy um, against China. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're we're rooting for war, but definitely we want a hard line against China. But I think um, I in, in the next four years, I definitely see this conflict escalating. Um, I don't see de-escalating. Uh, China has been weakened by the coronavirus. Um, China has been, um, China's prestige has, uh, has, has been damaged because of, of them hiding the virus and letting it spread throughout the world. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to recover from that. 
um, as you can see from the recent events in Hong Kong, or I guess last year uh, and this year, uh, China um, reasserting itself in Hong Kong and in other parts of the, the region. Uh, China is, in a sense, lashing out. Uh, they want to show the world that they are uh, a power that is to be reckoned with. And so I don't see any of the South China Sea disputes uh, uh, going down anytime soon. Um, you could also see that China also wants to, uh, China also has the territorial disputes with Japan. And so there's also been a lot of uh, uh, friction with, re with regard to that. And so you can see uh, China, uh, the South China Sea being just one flashpoint in U.S.-American relations. Um, it, it is, uh, I don't see it getting better anytime soon, but obviously um, that's, I guess, in a sense, it's inevitable because China and the U.S. are, the two big powers in the in the world and so uh, a lot of political scientists will call this world in a sense a bipolar world meaning that there are two um, great powers in the world and so i guess naturally it kind of uh, um, it kind of seems inevitable that um, these two powers will clash so who knows um, obviously the u.s uh, trump president trump has been in terms of rhetoric, uh, he's been harsh to China, and Biden has kind of adopted adopted that same tone. So um, we'll see what happens, but um, I don't see it uh, getting better, or I guess de-escalating anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really, I really hope any in terms of escalation, I really hope it doesn't get to the point where you know we we are not allowed to visit our loved ones in those particular areas of of the world because. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want that for that. I wouldn't want that conflict for them. And then just for us to be disconnected because of this conflict. But as you said, if, if this place starts, if that issue starts to get bigger, it's something that we should really pray for and have our thoughts uh, carry it and care for it. So, yeah. 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 It's, um, I, I guess, uh, Vincent, I guess on a personal level, Vincent, haven't you, have you seen the South China Sea? Yes, I have seen it. I have visited um, Philippines and flew to Palawan, one of the bigger islands there. Not, not the biggest island, but it's one of the bigger islands. And just west of that is the South China Sea. So I remember driving down the, the coast of the west coast of Palawan, I could see that that side of the ocean, and I I saw um, Philippine navy navy ships there. So clearly, you can sense that that um, that tension that we we just shared about. I mean, I was there for vacation, just I think 2017, 2017, 2018. and so yeah, it's something. It's a beautiful place. The Palawan's a very beautiful, beautiful place. The ocean's very beautiful, but you know things can get ugly if if this doesn't uh, work itself out. Have you been there? I believe you have. Yes, yes, I have. Um, I've also been to Palawan. Um, I remember when I was um, we were taking a boat tour. Um, I, I clearly remember the the blue sea and just realizing that. You know, just probably a few hundred miles away were some, uh, were I would be guessing there were there were some Chinese fishing boats and some Chinese military vessels in the in in the area, 
Uh, so it, it's kind of a sobering thought to to go to a country and uh, kind of see international international relations play out in its own backyard. Um, obviously, we're surrounded in America. We're kind of grateful uh, because we're surrounded by two we're sur- surrounded by two big oceans. So in a sense, we're not really um, we don't really have a lot of uh, tension with other countries. Um, obviously, we're pretty friendly with Canada and Mexico. Um, but um, it's not as if China is close to us, right? Uh, the Pacific Ocean separates us and uh, the Atlantic Ocean separates us from in the East. So I think we're very grateful that we live in a country that's separate from a lot of these these hot zones. But uh, who knows? Um, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what happens in the near future. Yeah. Well, thank you, Elsa, for sharing sharing with us about this 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 dispute and conflict that's slowly but surely gaining um gaining traction and just something we talked about on this topic was the election um with who depending on whether trump or biden will impact this south china this south china sea dispute but with the election coming up, I could share with our viewers, our listeners, that our next podcast will be about our pres- American presidential election of 2020. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to release this podcast uh, before the election. Is that correct? Yeah. Or a few days before the election. So if you haven't voted yet, maybe you want to hold your vote a little bit longer just to listen to this and get a get some thoughts or you know just to if you want to just listen in on our feedback on the election hopefully you'll enjoy it don't give us hate mail (laughs) (laughs) healthy criticism healthy criticism so once again thank you all sir thank you vincent it's been a pleasure great Hope to see you guys next podcast. Thank you again for listening to The Reverie.